In a world of store-bought items and a world that seems to never slow down, we make with our hands and tools. Here at Wool and Spinning Radio, we take a moment to breathe, to chat, to reflect. As the world continues in a whirlwind around us, we sit quietly at our spinning wheels with our knitting needles or on our looms. The gentle motion of twisting a spindle, watching it dropping slowly to the ground, or the click-clack of needles tapping against each other as we turn a heel, brings solace and comfort. We make with our hands because we love the process and value our handmade items. While they are never perfect, our yarns might be gently thick and thin or just plain over-twisted. In this place, we discuss what it means to be a maker, to use our hands. Join us as I chat with others in our community about these ideas, challenges, and rewards. Thank you for your time spent here in this place. You are always welcome. Um, I would love to hear, Brittany, um, who you are and and how you got into all of this, because um, it's uh, I'm sure you've got a story. Everybody has a story. I'd love to hear yours. Okay, it just depends on where we want to start. So in comparison, maybe, um, I so I was born and raised here in the Yukon. And I yeah, maybe you should tell people where you are. <laughs> yeah, White Horse Yukon, um, if you are not from Canada, that is to the just to the east of Alaska, far north west Canada. And Whitehorse is just above the BC border. Well, I mean, not just above, but it looks just above. Yeah. And um, we are, we like to think we're in the Arctic Circle, but we aren't. <laughs> I think, I can't remember what parallel we're at. But anyways, that's where I am. Born and raised here. Um, right in you, right in Whitehorse? Yeah, yeah. Oh, cool. And, oh, are you spinning? I love that. Yeah. I hope that's okay. <laughs> my hands have to be doing something too. It's gonna be weird. I'm gonna be touching my face the whole time. Um, okay. Well, anyways, so I did. Um, I didn't go to college. I didn't go to university. I did actually do one year of college in Oxford, England. Just a Bible college. Oh, so cool. So went there to study a bit, and then that opened doors to work in the UK, which was with a an organization, a charity, and I worked with youth doing outdoor pursuits. Uh, taking them kayaking and rock climbing, nothing to do with sheep, nothing to do with wool. Uh, <laughs> but it was there that I was like, I want to knit a sock. I don't know how to follow patterns. So I'm just going to make it up. And I made it up with some wooly wool. And unfortunately, those socks eventually in the country of Gibraltar, of all places, went through a dryer and got felted and became a little bag <laughs> like, like they do in Gibraltar <laughs> right <laughs> hello random <laughs> so I've traveled the world a bit not like all over but because of the charity that I worked for it was a Christian charity working with all sorts of youth at risk or just charitable work really and that was great but it's funny because I lived in South Wales which is a very sheepy place mm-hmm. and I had no idea about some of the the opportunities I could have had there but anyway I moved back to Whitehorse met my husband I mean I'm going to try to cut this story short but (laughs) met John we had two kids and with um, my youngest Sybil um that was my computer sorry uh I think like a lot of mothers are looking for something to feel like they have an identity in totally right and and um Instagram was fairly new for me as well as colored yarn I was always going for like natural kind of colors 
in my local yarn store, I would go in there weekly and grab things. And, and then I just stumbled across some Instagram accounts of like hand dyed yarn. And I was like, what is this magic? And how did they do this? So um, uh, my business is called Crux Fibers. And Crux is a, a word that describes a particular point of difficulty. And that leads back to my rock climbing years in South Wales. So Crux is, yeah, it's all about trying the, the difficult things and trying to exceed in whatever my hands delve into. So, so I, I bought some primary dyes, found some wool off of Etsy, didn't even know what superwash was actually. And so I, th I think that's what I ended up getting was these superwashed wool. Cause I remember my first time dying, I brought it to a boil and was like, oops, <laughs> but nothing happened. <laughs> Anyways, then I started, um, I just, I don't know, I started this little business. I said to my husband, I want to try doing this. My local yarn store, Heather at Itsy Bitsy. Yes, said, she's lovely. <laughs> she is. She's, she's a rock star, really. Um, yeah. So she uh, said, um, if you ever get into hand dyeing yarn, I'd be willing to wholesale from you. And I was like, oh, this is exciting. So here I am wow. in my 30s with a six to nine month old baby dyeing some yarn in my kitchen. <laughs> being as safe as possible and I think I dyed like 20 skeins of yarn both fingering and worsted weight of superwash stuff I'd never again never heard of passed it off to her saying this was a superwash yarn blah 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 and she's like oh great my my customers will love this and uh, it sold really quickly because there was I think there were some people selling like uh, naturally dyed yarns and local wool that they've spot yeah. hands on but nothing was like a commercial type yarn that was being dyed so that was where I started and then um goodness I I think it wasn't even a year and then the pandemic happened mm -hmm. and everyone was like keep our local businesses in business purchase from them keep them going we need to you know care for our young fiber artist friends who are making all this beautiful yarn and um, so at this point, I was only dyeing superwashed yarns, and because of the pandemic, my business did really well. I think, yeah. like it, it, it got to the point where I didn't have to go back to my office job. Wow, uh, good for you! Yeah, so it's amazing. A lot. It's a lot of work doing your yes. being your own everything. It's the hours. I remember watching a YouTube video when I wanted to start dyeing yarn, and the first thing this person said was. So you want to start dyeing yarn. Don't stop right there. Don't do it. <laughs> I'm like, why? She's like, because you'll be putting in like 70 hours a week. I'm like, no way. Yeah. You're just bad at time management. No, no, no. No, no. No, no. <laughs> no starting yeah. a, a fiber arts business um, or crafting business, I like to call it mostly, um, is, is yes, a lot of work. It's a huge commitment. Yeah. Yeah. But I once I started being my own boss having my own hours and staying home with the kids I was like it was addictive I did not want to give it up and I still don't I'm stubborn and I I don't want to give it up and it changes over and over so much that I've gone from dying like I used to die solely like superwash yarns and then I discovered more and more about our Canadian wool industry and how like I tried to source local and found out that the local that I could source was actually imported. And so that's not a huge mm. thing for me. It's, it's, I have to diversify, but 
Um, I it was like, really? There's all this wool in Canada and it's just getting thrown out, getting put into the burn pile. And it just broke my heart. And again, going back to the name of my business, Crux, like describing a particular point of difficulty. I'm like, okay, I like difficulty. I like to struggle a bit. <laughs> so I decided to do everything that I could within financial means that we have and John's willingness to allow me to go off the rails <laughs> to source what I could and and yeah so I started spinning yarn three years ago almost. How did that line up with the business then? Were you already spinning when you started the business or? I can't quite remember. Or was uh, it all kind of at the same time? It might have been all at the same time it was just like trying to find something to make you feel whole, I guess. Yeah. And your so old, much. your, your oldest was already a couple of years older at this point, right? Yeah. Yeah. He was, oh, he was three or so Calvin and he's now in kindergarten. So that's, oh, wow. Yeah. Well. But yeah. So I, I mean, I consider myself a fairly new spinner. There's something to learn all the time and always like talked about there comes a point where you learn so much that suddenly Oh, how did you describe it on your slides? Like there comes a point where you've, you've learned so much that it's just all coming out of you in how you talk um, mm. and how you actually craft, how you spin, how you weave, whatever. It just suddenly like just takes over in a great way. Yeah. 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 It kind of, yeah, totally. That evolution. Yeah. Yeah. yeah it's it's yeah. been really wonderful. And I, I still have kept my very first hand spun yarn. It was some top that Heather had dyed and blue green and white not really my colors but it was the only thing there that I did like because I'm not a huge pink fan totally <laughs> yeah, so she does I, a lot of pink <laughs> yeah, she, funny love it yeah she loves her like grays and heathered colors but mm. mm -hmm. so I don't know I guess I could just keep rambling on but yeah. yeah. So, well, I can, I can um, ask a couple of questions that are coming to mind for me. So um, how did learning to spin and adding that to your sort of knowledge repertoire, you've been knitting for quite a long time at that point, you were starting to sort of get into, you were dying, you were working with superwash. So how did adding spinning to your um, repertoire as a maker start to change um, maybe you can talk a little bit about the Canadian wool industry. That would be awesome. It's probably very similar in the States or at least aspects of it. Um, how did that start to inform the decisions that you were making on the back end about your business? Because the yarns you sell now are very different than what you yeah. started with, right? Yeah, totally. Um, how did it feel? Well, I think it was probably the following. So I, my following grew um, like I'm, I think I have something like 5,000 followers. Not that everyone sees my content, but there's, I have a lot of engagement with them. Yeah. And I like to, I don't like to just share weird footage or stuff that makes you feel dizzy or something that you see and you don't know what they're showing. I always try to like really articulate and show content that's clear and be informative. Yeah. So people would ask like, oh, how did you do this? And how did you do that? So my content turned more into like a teaching kind of style. Mm -hmm. And people just kept asking for more like, oh, will you ever dye fiber? And I said, oh, maybe. So there was a Vanessa here. You may have come across her. Yeah. Vanessa Iyer's daughter. She's a wonderful spinner too and maker of wonderful things. And 
she gave me some merino and I dyed it and I folded, I felt it a bit or fold however you say that word yeah. a little bit, but she still was able to spin it. And she gave me some. And when I had that hand spun in my hand, after having mm. had some hand spun of my own, I was like, I must know how to do this. She said she did a fractal spin. And I'm like, I don't know what that is. <laughs> What's a like, fractal? Cool. Yeah. And so I just, I guess, wanting to know more and then following also my followers also wanting to know more so um I'm trying to think back to the first thing I ever did was I <clears throat> I've got some top from I think it's from Ashford Heather helped me get some Ashford top it was just like merino alpaca silk and Polworth and a few others and I, I dyed them I didn't know anything about dyeing fiber wow hard it was to dye it and then I just decided this isn't for me. Um, mm. I, I was like, I don't like, I don't enjoy it. I also, it was really hard to have enough in the shop to help keep the business afloat. So I went to dyeing. The only yarn base that I dye is a BFL base because I love it so much. Mm. Absolutely love it. And I dye some merino, sorry, uh, mohair. And, and then, um, sorry. It's such a big story, really, when you start talking about it. Yeah, it's actually, it's fascinating. So just keep going. Okay. Yeah. So um, I was, I'm trying to think who it was. There's a few makers on Instagram that I follow, and they started showing these pretty, really beautiful bats. And, mm. what is that? and it's like, wow, what is that? And I like I people say, like Lindsay Gorham, Artifacts yeah. of Appreciation, yeah. like some of those yeah, people. Yeah. Huge inspiration. Huge oh, inspiration. she's amazing. Yeah. Yeah, she's she's incredible. I figured maybe you would know her. <laughs> we're friends. Like, yeah, oh, we're friends. Wonderful. She lives locally to me. Yeah. Oh, yeah. oh yeah. I hope to meet her someday. Yeah, she's amazing. <laughs> yeah. So I kept seeing all these bats and I borrowed a drum carter. Oh, I didn't oh, even okay. talk about Nora. Nora. Right. Well, I was seeing the bats, but I was also gifted. Oh my gosh, you guys who are listening, this is like a huge story. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> My friend who is from here, she gifted me um, a fleece, a lamb's fleece from my um, Gotland cross called Nora. And I, if you follow me on Instagram, I talk about her a lot. I show her a lot. Um, and I <laughs> at first, when you first started sharing, when you first started sharing Nora, like when you used, because you, you, you talk about her, like she's a person, right? <laughs> and um I actually really did think it was like your daughter or something. Like I was like, because I, you know, when you're just scrolling through and you're just skimming. And of course my daughter's name is Nora. So like every girl in the world is called Nora in my mind. Yeah. And you know, <laughs> I love the name. Anyhow, keep going. So good. Yeah. Anyways, um, typical me, I go all in and uh, started carting up this fiber and I, it bugged me that I had to put it through the carter twice. So I bought some Ashford hand carters and pre-carded that way and then put it through the drum carter. And this is like a, like a five or six inch Louette carter. <laughs> I'm trying to process like this two, one and a half pound fleece or so. Wow. I do and, oh gosh, this was two years ago, maybe. And um, yeah, I didn't know anything really well about pre-drafting again like in the last year as well as well I've just learned so much in my spinning 
but I did what I could. I, I uh, had no idea about how you planned to spin a sweater spin and I'm notorious for not going to ask for help. I just need to do it. I need to do the thing and whatever happens, happens. And so you learn along the way. Yeah. Yeah. It's just, I guess we all have learned different learning styles, right? So yeah, I spun three or no, five different skeins, I think, or four skeins of Nora, a two-ply, and some were definitely overspun, some were more woolen, and some were more worsened <laughs> or smoothed out. <laughs> I mm -hmm. love spinning long draw, so a lot of Nora was spun long draw, but again, she's Gotland, so she was a bit not too wiry, but not as airy as she could be, mm. and then I had some BFL that I had, so I ended up knitting a sweater, and the top looks great, it's color work, and then the bottom, you can see some biasing from, you can see sort of like the evolution of Nora's spin. <laughs> I, I love it. I look at that sweater and go like, wow, look at the things I must've learned along the way. And yeah. so she'll, she's pilly, she's whatever. I just, you know, I just don't wear her all the time. Here I am talking like she's a person, right? Exactly. She's, she's a sheep person. Yeah. Love it. That was my first fleece. And then I stayed in contact with, um, the friend who introduced me to the shepherdess who's in Alberta. Mm -hmm. um, so I've mentioned Crocus Country Shepherdess. So she she got a bunch of Gotland sheep and she's been breeding them with um, BFL bloodlines, Icelandic. I think she's got a few Dorset and who knows whatever wow. like foundational breeds, um, bloodlines they have in them. But I've since processed a bunch of, of the fleeces. I keep getting Nora's fleece every shearing. Um, and the Tansy twins. They're like yes. Scotland BFL Icelandic cross. It was just a really fun fiber. And I love blending that one. And, and then I have some yarn getting spun at Rosebud River Mills from that flock. Mm -hmm. And so that's the, that's the other thing I'm starting to introduce into my shop is some farm yarn that's look, um, Canadian milled. Which is so yeah. cool. Yeah. Um, so. <laughs> the, going back to the shepherdess in Alberta for a minute. So she's doing all this really cool stuff with all these different breeds. Like, is she just raising sheep for fiber or is she doing like mixed? For fiber. But of course, that's like, so cool. All, all shepherds raise also weathers for the, for the meat locker. <laughs> so she's still doing that. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. A little bit just to, but mostly it's for the fiber side because I think when she first got the flock, um the sire was oh gosh something like 70 some percent gotland wow. and then she had some ewes that were higher like 80 some percentage so she is working her way up there and of course there's lots of different things and i just recently through um catherine from small bird mm -hmm. workshop introduced me to um a company in the states that you can send your fleece off to to get um tested on micron count and I think some other things so I think oh, she's, amazing she's gonna send off some fleeces from some of her like more prominent use to find out some more information See where she's sitting me. that's yeah. amazing yeah yeah he sent me this one fleece her sheep rose which was one of those sheep that was born because some sheep jumped the fence mm. and uh <laughs> <laughs> got, got, got yep. down with it um anyway so rose is like how i can show you some of her fiber right now it's she's like dorset the gotland and the bfl in it but she's not like you know how dorset's really crisp and a bit yeah dense. yeah well, she totally takes on that gotland 
maniac characteristic <laughs> you know how colleges mm. just want to like stay on the carter or totally um, it just it looks really fuzzy but so she sent me this fleece and she said please can you help me convince my husband that this is a sheep i need to keep on my pasture because i love oh. her <laughs> she's not like just for the wool but i said of course so she sent me the fleece and i um i very quickly cleaned carded and spun up some yarn and then over a weekend I knit up Sierra a hat and sent it to her and said now show this to your husband and tell him that all wool is good wool you just got to do the right thing with it totally <laughs> so now she's convinced that this little bloodline I think would probably be useful on in the flock oh that's amazing yeah I hope so because it would be it would be nice to blend that kind of fiber Mm-hmm. with something because because it has that door set not the perfect crimp of the door set but more of like an s shape so it has mm-hmm. some, has had some nice um elasticity which i really liked so anyways cool yeah <laughs> so how um you know your spinning's grown and you've you've sort of gotten to this point you've got your yarns that you offer so how do you kind of balance what you want to do and what you want to make with what needs to go in the shop because you do a lot of like carding and making those amazing bats and yeah like how do you sort of choose what you're making and what you're doing it's definitely been a roller coaster especially with our family um having covid twice now I, i think the motivation Unfortunately, the motivation seems to always be about, I need to help provide, I need to bring yeah. in the income. And so I had a, a yarn update where I said, okay, these are the colors that I'm going to offer all year long. There will be in stock and there will also be dyed to order. Uh, it just works for me. So I can, I have this palette, people can see it, I can add to it. Mm-hmm. And they know that if they come to my shop, they will get what they want. And I think that's something that a lot of um, customers feel anxiety about when they go to a shop, um, whether it's being announced as a shop update or something that's going on. Totally. Like as a shop update, you're like, if I don't get this now, I'm going to miss out. And I have some ethics or some more moral morality. Distress about it. Yep. Yeah. Like, cause I don't want my customers to ever feel like obliged or that they must get something now because I offer it. Yeah, sure because something might not be there. Yeah, and even myself, like you, you jump on that bandwagon, and afterwards you're like, "Wait, why did I do this?" And I'm not using it now, so like, yeah. So I think I'm just ba- trying to balance with what I love. I've got this board on my desk that says, um, "Do what brings you joy," and what brings me joy is creating new colors, and I'm playing with just primary colors now, mm-hmm. blending with just like um yeah four different primary colors to create your own colors yeah and I still do have some I still do have some dyes that I um from my previous colorways that I mix but mm-hmm. for the most part I use the, a Pantone app to help me figure out ratios per primary color oh wow cool yeah so I don't know it's really hard to, to answer this question because yeah the balance is a lot driven by um, needing to keep the business going financially and to pay, you know, pay for our home, pay for things, pay for life. life yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Um, but I always add passion into it, like, and I want to be genuine. So I've come up with this wonderful palette that I get to look at every day and feel really proud of it. 
and um, it just takes a lot more work to promote it because like a shop update you build it up over a week or two and yes. people get pumped and excited and then and then you sell you do a really great shop update and then crickets for weeks exactly they've moved on right so yeah. now it's more of a um showing oh I'm knitting this with my yarn or so and so has done this so you share things or highlight whoever keeping it front and foremost in their mind that if they need yarn this is where they go for their yarns yeah 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 and I think I'm sure I, I would do better if I, I was more on top of my newsletter which is not newsletters are hard I I find it really hard to keep the newsletter going like I it's not something I enjoy writing it's not something I enjoy like you know I do the ketchup and pickles just for everybody to have all the links and stuff but I I find the newsletter like it's hard it's it's it not it's not necessarily something that is um yeah it's kind of a yeah. must do yeah. No, I, I did a blog post recently and that was okay, but it's not like something that you can see traffic on. Yeah. Yeah. The blog post is more for your SEO and that's, yeah. that's hard because you're doing it because you sort of for your, um, because of the way that the internet works, right. It's not, um, you know, it, it's, it's like what you were just saying about the do what you love. It's finding that balance between doing those things that you sort of just need to do, um, so how can you infuse a piece of yourself into them that it becomes more enjoyable? Yeah, totally. Right? Yeah. I find also like, oh, I love sharing to my stories and what I'm doing on mm -hmm. Instagram. People really engage with me there, which is interesting because often posts don't get many comments or shares, but I more prefer the, the direct messages. <laughs> because yeah. Like, wow, this is, you know, inspiring you. That's wonderful. And I have those connections with people because I'm sharing what I'm doing. And um, I guess like, yeah, my fiber update that I just did was on Friday and gosh, I almost sold out. I only have like a few little, a few bats left. I, I did some inspired by Lindsay. I did, I did some sock blends. Cause I was like, poor Lindsay can't do it all for everybody. Totally. So I've got all this wonderful fiber. And um, so I've made Especially up. Especially cause she's pregnant and she's expecting. I know. She's, she's so due cool. like imminently. Yeah. This sweetheart, I love her a bit. So yeah, here's the sock I'm working on. I think I showed this in my on. Yeah. Can you see that? It's really dark. On my it's side. grainy, but um, I can always pop in a photo afterwards. So don't worry about it. Just share away, and I can pop a photo in. Yeah. So that was. This is a fun blend. My friend Melissa. She. I think I've told you about her. Maybe. She's in Surrey. Mm -hmm. She rescues burn pile fleeces all the time. And then she's got, a, I think like a, a cousin with Icelandic sheep. And so we are often like sending each other fiber and uh, wow. there's no, uh, I'll buy this off you. I'll buy that off you. It's just, uh, I need this. Okay. I'll send it to you. Yeah. <laughs> and so we just send fiber back and forth to each other. So she sent me a bunch of Icelandic and other things. And I just came up with this wonderful sock blend with some uh, Navajo churro. Oh, wow icelandic cornrows in this i wanted to stretch because like you know with a sock you want it to be sturdy but some like yeah some, some give yeah 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 so that and i got some sorry silk for some pops of color and a bit of neps not neps tweed there we go tweediness yeah and what else so yeah i was just blending it something like 20 percent icelandic and 20 percent or 15 percent 
Navajo churro. And then she's got another sheep on Lone, on Lone Sequoia Ranch Farm. I don't know if you heard of her. Leanna has I know that. the name. Yeah. Yeah. It's a Shetland Jacob cross sheep and the fleece is really dark. Oh, it's really good. So anyways, I blended a bunch of fibers together, spun it into a sock yarn and it's, yeah, it's pretty perfect. <laughs> That's amazing. You really love the natural shades, correct? Like you work I a lot do. in natural shades. I do work with a lot of natural shades. A lot of the stuff I wear is natural shades. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, but I also really love like a pop of color um I think you saw that cowl that I knit or I mm -hmm. spun out of Nora's fleece and then another fleece from a sheep called Torfall it's <laughs> <That's> awesome <laughs> I love what I do um, yeah totally and you can tell because you're just excited about it yeah what what are some things that you've learned about the Canadian wool industry that you didn't know that you wish you had known when you first came into all of this so I'm, I'm still learning and I, yeah, of course, a lot of my learning to Anna from long way homestead. Um, yeah. Anna Hunter Hunter is just amazing. I mean, the biggest thing that I've learned and that I know is that that wool is not an agricultural commodity. So our government doesn't look at sheep. doesn't look at alpaca. doesn't look at other kind of fibers as something that is a moneymaker. Um, yet it has the potential and so when farmers go to the government and to apply for grants and bursaries and whatnot they can apply on the side of i raise sheep for meat not i raise sheep for wool but yeah. I, I i feel like something's changed in bc i know liana from lone sequoia has applied for something or I don't even, I think that's okay to say that. Um, and so like for funding for the wool side of things. Wow. So that's what I understand mostly about the Canadian wool industry is that also going back to, I think like post-World War II, maybe even pre, there was, there's, there's three major woolen spinning yarns. There's McCausland, Custom Woolen, and Briggs. Is it Briggs? Yes. Yeah. Yep, Briggs, Those yep. are the three main woolen spinning um, mills. And our climate doesn't really allow for like merino sheep to really thrive here um, and other finer wools or sheep um, for wool. And so with, um, I think just the development in technology and in travel that greatly influenced the ability to import finer wools from around the world. And then mm -hmm. in turn that impacted our woolen mills in Canada so like the the production line reduced because there's more imported wools and so then other mills around Canada closed down because there just wasn't a higher demand anymore with the ability to import wool so there was a huge decline and then now um there's starting to be an uh the opposite <laughs> and yeah. in like mini mills popping up that are more semi worsted spinning mills yeah and so like these mills are popping up whether or not they can stay in business because of funding from our government we don't we don't know and then you got people like Anna who are who's advocating and writing books and doing really hard work that's you know a particular mm -hmm. point of difficulty that is quite difficult <laughs> <laughs> totally totally and then how do we as sort of this small small makers, you know, I, I have like a, what I call like a micro business. Um, you know, how do we help and support, um, 
that um that work you know I think the best way we can help is like something like what I'm doing I have a huge heart for seeing this change and I don't know if that'll happen like very quickly or not but I can still be part of a solution I could be offering my customers an um an experience with Canadian sourced like I don't I can't do 100% Canadian sourced like I I think I can like I can blend something that's 100% but can I have 100% Canadian sourced in my shop no and is it um, detrimental that I have 100% no because I do have to diversify it's why I'm dyeing yarns that are spun in Canada but imported fiber because I still need to have a business. I still need to feed my family. Exactly. You still need to contribute to the economy. So how do you do that? You know? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. And then bringing awareness. Like if you can't wear something that is more more um, rustic or because there, people I think have this idea in their head that all Canadian sourced wool is rough. And yeah, itchy. coarse, toothy. Yeah. But it's not. There's some really, really wonderful yeah. fibers you can find in Canada, like Targi. <laughs> and Ramboulet. Some yes, of that Ramboulet exactly. that comes from Alberta is amazing. Yes, totally. And Corydale yeah. is not too bad either. Corydale so, really good. Yeah. 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 And for well, then you, too. Oh, 100%. Yeah. And then, you know, if you look like here locally to me, we've got a lot of, um, you know, Shetland. We've got a lot of Conforest and Jacob. Um, you know, those are those, you can really do a lot with those fleeces and not feel like you're walking away with like something that's really, yeah. you know, uh, on the like really, really high micron count side where you're dealing with, you know, thirties and forties. Yeah. I've been yeah. thinking a lot about, um, why people are so afraid of some of these yarns. And mm. I, I thought back to just a few years ago when I discovered hand dyed yarn. Mm-hmm. And like, I've been knitting since I was like eight years old mm -hmm. for a long time. And I've knit with pretty much anything and everything. <laughs> um, but from a few years ago, everything that I saw, if I think back about it, everything that I saw being hand dyed was, was imported yarns. Yeah. It was all super merino washed. cashmere nylon or merino nylon. Yeah. 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 Everything. And it was all super washed. Yeah. And I don't like to bash around yarns because of, I think I'm a yarn snob for different types of fibers. I'm not a yarn snob about the treatments, though I do care about treatments of yarn. Mm -hmm. um, but I think a lot of people who started knitting came across that pretty yarn and was mm -hmm. like, one skein wonders. Yes, I want to learn how to knit. So, and I want to learn how to knit with that yarn. So then yeah. you go down the rabbit hole of finding the pretty yarn, which pretty yarn is going to look pretty on, on merino and especially on superwash yarns. So if I, if I think if I had to nail it down to something, it would be that people started learning yarn by seeing the pretty yarn. If that makes sense. Yeah. Without making it sound terrible. Well, um, we're so visual, right? Like we see our, you know, it's our most dominant sense. Um, you know, we see, we go to a festival, some of these big, big, big festivals that happen, you know, across Canada and in the States, um, you know Europe and Australia you're walking around this beautiful you know festival marketplace hall yeah. that's what you see right um it's hard not to want that stuff for sure and then you've got these amazing designs out there when Ravelry was kind of in its heyday um yeah. you know the the top 20 patterns you'd scroll through them and they were all knit with those yarns and how could you not want that stuff of course you would yeah, totally. yeah. totally like a trending market and I think yeah right now what's trending is 
is are these kind of fancy bats yeah um, but yeah. a bunch of whatever fibers because like how how many how many of one fleece can you get in canada yeah not a ton i mean i've sent some fleeces to wellington fibers as well and that's just like six fleeces but yeah like, you go to europe australia hundreds hundreds of fleeces so yeah. we, we we blend these crazy cool bats um this one here I'll, I'll just i'll just quickly talk about it so my friend melissa who i mentioned who we send fiber to i went to go see her for the first time this past year <laughs> show up at the airport going wow we've never met each other but we know each other from instagram and we talk and we call and we talk totally all yeah the time. so therefore like, your closest friends ever yeah 100 talk all the time so yeah. she she blended this um bat for us to spin like she did two of them and she called it Einer, which is after her grandpa. And so I spun that at, on the Vancouver Island. It was an amazing time. I came home and I received some Herdwick in the mail from my friend from Cumbria in the UK. And I pulled this out of the box. And no kidding, you know what Herdwick is. Totally. Yarn. And I'm like, oh, geez. Now to what? what am I doing with this so Melissa said blend it make make your own Einer and I was like oh I guess I could do that so I and uh, but instead of calling it Einer I called it after my grandpa Larry <laughs> that's amazing <laughs> so I love it I'll have to send you a picture of um, Larry all spun up but um, yes please so um the original blend has some Cotswold that's from a burn pile fleece burn pile you yeah, fiber from Lone Sequoia Ranch because she rescues burn pile fleeces and skirts and gets them made into roving. But anyways, I chose some Yukon mixed breed wool because we don't have sheep that are breed specific here. We have just mixed breed sheep. Yep. The Yukon special. <laughs> the Yukon special. There's there's then, the Abbotsford special as well. Oh really? Like <laughs> yes, that. it's in the it's in the city next to me. So the Abbotsford's the city that that blended back in November. Um, okay. But yeah, is the it's the Abbotsford special. You can get it at Brooklyn Brothers. Yeah, I love it. I'm gonna have to call it the Yukon special now. Yes, it's often <laughs> very crimpy and long, long wool. <laughs> very yeah, because <long>. <laughs> they only show them like once a year. <gasps> it's actually not too bad. It's pretty soft, actually. I would oh, say good. Probably like maybe. I don't know. I'm probably giving it the benefit of the doubt if I say 28, but yeah. maybe 32 or something, which to me is soft. But yeah, is. that's soft. For those of us who don't have a big wool sensitivity, that's pretty soft. Yeah. Um, um, if it's quite long staple, does it, does it have quite a halo mm. with those tips sticking out? I'm trying to remember. It's not that bad of a halo, actually. Um, mm -hmm. Yeah. I didn't, I didn't notice it. There's another, um, another spinner up in Dawson called uh, Klondike Wool. No, Black Mass Greetings. And mm -hmm. she's processing a lot of the fleeces like what I did. And she's uh, been spinning some yarn and selling it down at Itsy Bitsy. Oh, um, good for so her. Plant dyes and um, plant dyes and, and hand spins at all. It's the only wool she knows. She started spinning and that's the only wool she knows. And Icelandic up there. So, wow. Anyways, yeah. So Larry has some mixed Yukon wool, Herdwick, some alpaca from Manitoba, some CVM that I got from 
small bird workshop. Mm-hmm. Some Nora in, in here. And the Tansy of course. twins. The Tansy twins. Yeah. So that's so cool. Yeah. Yeah. So, are the bats are making the bats something that you um like have really like really loved? Like I feel like you light up when you talk about the bats. Like, is that something that you really have enjoyed doing? Like just totally. incredibly creative. Yeah, yeah. And seeing what can what can be transformed, like that herdwick is so kempy. Yeah. Um, there's some really fine wools in there too. And so once I blended it up, I just love blending the different fibers just to see what can happen. And yeah. obviously some become more dominant in the mix. But that this Larry bat just really um livens up. Like there's lots of loft, but with the softness from that alpaca and CVM and even actually from Nora uh, it's just a really lovely blend and I, I did some pulled roving so you can see like like the layers mm-hmm. and uh, drafting it out and it just yeah nice color it's just really magical yeah yeah you just totally get into it and then if you want to add like a pop of color as well it just cr- makes the makes this the experience of knitting the sock just really wonderful and I don't know I you always say the the phrase wax poetically and that's sort of yeah. how I, what I do as well I'm just like I could I am on my podcast on YouTube I call it um like a wool romance totally <laughs> yeah it really one is of, one of the people that I follow um uh because we we eat plant-based because of allergies and stuff in our family and so um uh, one of the people that I follow for like dressing ideas and sauces and so on and so forth. Um, she's, uh, we're not raw food, like don't get any ideas, but, um, we're, um, she's called raw food romance. And I always want to put in there raw wool romance. <laughs> I'm like, you know, um, not like, yeah, it just always makes me laugh. I'm like, you know, there is kind of this romance with these fibers that we work with that we love so much, especially when you've got a relationship to the people that are raising them as well. Yeah. Oh, totally. Yeah. yeah. That's so cool. So tell me a little bit about your podcast. What made you start it? What are you doing? Tell people about that. Um, it definitely came about because of a feeling of just overwhelm on social media. I'm sure it's mm-hmm. a common topic these days. And just wanted to connect a bit more and have people mm-hmm. hear my heart more about my mm-hmm. passion. The things that you're always- thinking about. Yeah, and not everyone can just revisit your stories on Instagram. And I'm only on Instagram. I'm not on Facebook. So that's why I always say Instagram. But so yeah, I just thought ditto. that YouTube would give me an opportunity to connect with people a bit more, but not make it businessy. Um, so I don't really talk about the business, but I, I, um, I, I could. I could definitely talk a little bit more. But it's more about just sharing my passions for trying to find more local because um, well, I call, I call my wool low mileage wool, which is like a low mileage vehicle, like a low yeah. mileage wool. And it's just wool that I've tried to source as local as I can. Yeah. And um, the podcast was to talk about all the things that I love and just want to show people. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I, in my first episode, I ended up getting quite a lot of views mm-hmm. and and then I've done a second episode. I kind of just want to do once a month. There's pressures to do more often, but then I just feel like I'll put a slippery slope. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm definitely just doing the once a month because I, I do knit a lot. I can knit 
really fast. Like I can knit a sweater in a week type thing. And um, so I just, I feel like if it's more frequent, then I'll be putting too much pressure on myself to spin or knit more than my body needs. So yeah, yeah, (laughs) totally. Walks or do yoga or something. Right. So yeah, balance. So yeah, but yeah, it's been fun. I, my dad got me this light and mic for some better quality. And I figured out how to turn my camera around so I'm not backwards. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. It's the little things, all those little learning things, right? Like it's, it, it, it adds up. It makes a difference. Yeah. 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 So where can people find you, Brittany? Where's the best place for people to sort of look for you? You've mentioned Instagram quite a few times. So definitely let us know where about that and your YouTube channel. Yeah. Um, and my website is www.cruxfibers and crux is spelled C-R-U-X-F-I-B-R-E-S. The Canadian way. Yep. I like it. <laughs> I support that. Yes. <laughs> That's awesome. And um, yeah, Instagram and then YouTube, just same thing. Crux, crux fibers. Yeah. I'll link to it all in the Patreon post. So that's fantastic. Yeah. Um, what's coming up for you? What, what are some exciting things that you've got on the docket for the next few months as we go into spring? That's a great question. Um, I will be preparing to bring a load of yarn and fiber to uh, the Peace Fiber Fest in Dawson Creek. Mm-hmm. I had said I'm from years ago. Oh, are you really? Oh, I yeah. Know. Yeah. I, I was born in Prince George. Do you think it goes? It's too far. It's like 15 hours driving. I know. Yeah. It's going to be going down. <laughs> yeah. That's the plan is the hope. And I hope I can like bust out a bunch of yarn and bats and whatever. Um, or even just like sample packs. I've made these little fiber sample packs for people. To oh, just- cool. So we'll see that's that's what's coming up and then just the regular add stuff to the shop when I can <laughs> that's fantastic yeah and then all the yarn that I'm getting done at the mills that should mm-hmm. be popping up here soon hopefully it takes a long time to get yarn yeah. back from the mill in Canada yeah your office is going to be chocker block <laughs> it already is <laughs> awesome well thank you for being here Brittany thank you for your time and your energy and for doing what you do we just really appreciate it and um Brittany is hashtag is at not hashtag at Brittany on the slack channel as well if you want to connect with her there as well thank you so much really enjoyed this good